recording live from Brett's room where he's crying while taking a picture of Jay Cutler out of the frame and replacing it with one of Mitchell Trubisky. It's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. That's right. He's listening, he's listening to Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. I will remember you. I was, going, I was thinking The Cure, but I think yeah. we all have the same message. All our terrible, depressing songs. The, the dream is dead for Brett. Uh, he's, he's, his Jay Cutler love has a... His sixteen and zero MVP dream dead. Smoking Jay Cutler. Well, it's it's long been dead, but this this one is actually underground now. <laughs> now it literally cannot happen. Before it couldn't happen, you know, just because it's ridiculous. I don't know. Would it be any more inexplainably stupid than anything else Chicago's front office has done to bring him back? Your goodness. I don't know. So all right, let's just roll. Let's just roll right into it because we got a lot to talk about. Let's just. Last week was the uh, NFL football draft. And then the Seahawks stacked up a bunch of day two picks, like like all of them, and and also like the fourth pick on day three. So we're gonna try to go over all the day two picks, and we might sneak the uh, the fourth round pick in there if we have extra time. So did, I'll do a quick recap of the trades. So oh, geez, Seattle started out. So this many. is really fun. Seattle started out with uh, round one pick twenty six. They traded round one pick 26 to Atlanta, picked up round one pick 31, round three pick 95, round seven pick 249. Such a good, such a good trade. So trade back five spots, picked up a third, yay, and a seventh, sure. Then they traded round one pick 31 for <laughs> round two pick 34, which was the second pick. That in, was to Jacksonville? That was to Jacksonville. Well, they traded, uh, uh, sorry, they traded, Round one, pick 31 to San Francisco. Okay. And that's round two, pick four, round four, pick four. Right. Uh, And another pick, but it's next year's draft, right? No. Oh, no, it's just those two? Just those two. And then they dealt, sorry, that that was round two, pick two. Then they dealt round two, pick two for round two, pick three to Jacksonville and picked up a free six round pick in that. So they turned a first round pick. So they turned round one, pick 26 into round two, pick three, round three, pick 95 overall, round four, pick 111, round six, pick 187, and a round seven pick. That's uh, honestly great wheeling and dealing. Uh, Looking from other teams' perspectives, I will never understand the trading up one spot ahead of you to ditch a pick. That makes sense to me. If they're... Okay, I, I don't understand it in the case of Mitchell Trubisky because who <laughs> who was trying to trade up and get that pick? But Ugh. they basically the Bears basically bid against themselves. But the but they do that a lot. But the Jaguars, let's say there's another team that Seattle says, hey, we got a team moving up here to take this guy. Uh, you interested in trading us for this pick? Then they can start a bidding war between those two teams to try to move up to that pick. So Jacksonville could say, hey, yeah, we'll swap picks and you know give you a little juice so that you can. So we can take our guy, which I don't know who got picked right before Malik McDowell, but I'm going to guess it's someone the Jaguars really wanted to make sure they got. Blake Bortles' cousin. <laughs> Sorry, Blake, Blake, Blake Bortles. I believe it was a. Uh, I believe it was a cornerback. Uh, Blake Wartortles. Uh, they the player that the Jacksonville Jaguars selected at the top of round two was Cameron Robinson, offensive tackle. Alabama. Exactly what I said. Which that might have been competing with Seattle for that pick. Sure. They might have been saying, Seattle might have been saying, hey, we're going to take Cam Robinson here. But, uh, well, we didn't. And they were basically going, we'll take either of these guys, don't care which one. Are you going to give us stuff? And they're like, yeah, we'll give you stuff. Let's start with the obvious. Okay. It's obvious that Seattle didn't like any of the offensive linemen in this draft. Yeah. Yeah. Because they didn't, they didn't, were not interested in them. Uh, any of the, the supposed first round offensive linemen that were all falling down the board. Uh, Cam Robinson fell into the second round. Forrest Lamp fell into the second round. Obviously, Seattle didn't feel strongly about either of these players, or they would be Seahawks right now. And neither one, neither one of those guys garnered interest from anyone because I did not expect Robinson to fall to the second. I thought Lamp was, and we talked about it on this podcast. Lamp was going to be taken before he got to the Seahawks. Yeah, well, I think it was probably between Lamp and Bowles uh, at pick twenty for the Broncos, and they went with Bowles, who can play left tackle, and Lamp can't. But even Bowles, because uh, you guys will be proud, I did a little scouting on some offensive tackles before the draft, offensive linemen, and uh, Bowles has some issues with the pass blocking. He's good on the run blocking, issues with the pass. It just seems like, and you know. issues with registering for AARP. Forrest <laughs> yeah. Lamp, I think that he's he's just, uh, he got hurt by the fact that he played for Western Kentucky. 
a lot of teams drafted production pedigree this year. And uh, it, it factored in a lot more than usual, except at the quarterback position. But we're going to just disregard that. But like the, a lot of teams, they went for production, and the Seahawks were no stranger to that. They, except for their first pick, every single guy they picked was an elite, like a pretty good producer at the college level. Well, and you can make an argument about Malik McDowell. Uh, do you want to go into his production since sure. that's a big knock on him? Like Malik McDowell, um, here's the thing: he played his senior year or his last year in college. He got he kind of got hosed. By the college rules, he probably he wanted to come out last year but couldn't because he was still 19. Uh, he, he's actually only 20. He's very young. Uh, he he played on a pretty poor defense last year. Uh, he has flashes of uh, elite, elite, elite level talent, and he also flashes that he's he's not very. You know what I mean? He has flashes of like not doing anything. Some of the scouting reports said that he he kind of sits plays out, I mean, and that wouldn't. What Reminded me of Jadavian Clowney. That terrible defense? I don't know. Well, what happened was his sophomore year, the Spartans made the college football playoffs. And he had, there was a lot of talents uh, on that team. Um, they had a talented edge rusher. They had a middle linebacker. They had multiple defensive backs that were drafted between last year and this year. And it's very likely that if he would have been able to come out in that draft, which he wanted to, that he would have probably been a top five pick. Yeah. Let's just, let's just start with that. He was very. He was very. People were very high on Malik McDowell as a June as a nineteen year old, uh, true sophomore. He had thirteen tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, and an interception. And this is as a six six, two hundred ninety five pound guy who lined up in every single spot on the defensive line, including standing up as an edge rusher at some points. That's uh, that's obviously what Seahawks like. But the, but the Seahawks, no, I I disagree. The Seahawks see him as a three technique defensive tackle, and they uh, Snyder's been out there saying this is the first true three technique we've had in a long time. And so to explain the Seahawks scheme a little bit, um, Jaron Reed's going to play one technique in, in in the ideal world of Seahawks offense. And that's Slash the type of Ruben. So yeah. the one technique lights up over the guard in the center, and his job is to between the left guard and the center, and his job is to occupy. Both of those people, by any means necessary, the three technique lines up in the other gap and hopefully gets a one-on-one assignment. So if they see him as their three technique, it means they think that he can be a guy who dominates one-on-one, which Malik McDowell has shown in the college that at times he is very dominant if you take him down one-on-one. One-on-one, he was almost unblockable. What you saw, especially his junior year, his final year in college, was that he was getting double and triple team. It was when he would go out to the outside and edge rush, you'd usually see a tackle, a tight end, and a running back on him. Yeah, and he'd get washed out of the gap, too. Like, he would totally lose his, uh, his lane. It, it'll be easier for him with the defensive lineman we have to, yeah. to keep his uh, lane assignment. But You can't focus him he, in this line. He has, uh, he has inconsistent mechanics for the position, which is... I mean, it means that there's room for him to improve, which for an already elite level talent, it's kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that's the big thing he has. He understands how to stunt, which is nice. There's multiple times where you saw him pull just like a simple cross stunt, which is where the defensive end would kind of dive under him and grab the guard and he would burst to the outside. And he has some freakish level burst for a 300 pounder. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is his inside, his inside burst is, is pretty incredible. I, I like him. He's a great interior pass rusher, which is something we identified before the draft is something that would be very nice for the Seahawks to have. I didn't think he'd be available at 335, So that's kind of nice. Like it's, it's a guy who had first round potential that fell. Where yeah, did you so see him likely going, Nathan? In the tw- in the like high <laughs> high teens, low twenties. Really? Okay. In that area, maybe mid twenties as the latest. Yeah, I thought Th- at our original first round pick, that would be about as far as he would fall. Yeah, thirty five was thirty five is a pretty deep draw for him. I'm sure the Seahawks were excited to get him at thirty five. Well, let me ask you when he <clears throat> when he fell to us, like when you saw the Seahawks were on the on the clock. Were you like, this is the no brainer guy we had to pick right now? I thought we were going to pick Sidney Jones or Buda Baker. I like, thought when Cam Robinson went off the board, this was the guy we were picking. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just had a had a feeling we were targeting cornerback, and we did, but it just happened later. Yeah. Um. So I just had this like feeling, like, hey, we're gonna go for a cornerback here. There's a lot of good cornerbacks left. I think the reason we felt comfortable 
continuing to trade down is because there's probably so many guys they had first round grades on still available in the second round. Yeah, they said basically everyone down to the uh, everyone down to Tedrick Thompson in the fourth, they had a second round or better grade on. Nice. Yeah, so like they 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 I'm gonna guess they had a lot of guys with first round and I mean. Let's go to the next pick that we took. Uh, Ethan, po- is it Posick? It's Posick. Posick. Uh, and this is a guy like that started a trend, which is that they went for guys that had great production in their college years. Uh, Ethan Posick is huge. Let's start with that. He's six foot six, three hundred and ten pounds. He played at every position except for left tackle last year, so he's versatile. Um, he, he. A lot of people would say this is a reach, but he he only gave up zero sacks last year, so. There's <laughs> and zero QB hits too. Yeah, he's he's played very well at a number of positions too. They didn't just it's not like hey oh he just stuck around at one spot on the line and really dominated that spot. He played center, he played guard, he played right tackle uh, in one game. So he's he's very talented. I think that they see him as the starting right guard at this point. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get that job, uh, get a chance to compete for that job from day one. Do you think and, he'll compete at center, even though we like Justin Britt at center? Uh, I think that. Long term, Posich might be uh, might be the center. Right now, uh, Britt will be the center for the time being. I think we don't want to pay Britt. Yeah, is, this uh, is Britt's okay. last year on his rookie deal. Yeah. So this definitely yeah. looks like they're drafting him for next year. If Britt ends up as a pro bowler at center again and someone comes and offers him $11 million a year, I think we just slide Posich over and or Posich over and you know use that money to sign a right tackle. That makes sense. You know, yeah, uh, kick. <laughs> kick a Fetty back inside or if he plays great you know use it to sign a right a really talented right guard uh, it's, yeah, as it's we saw guards are more available this guy's versatile he's talented a lot of things people would say you should, we probably should have taken Pat Elfline but uh, I, I think that's players after researching them are really similar there's not a big difference be- between the two for me and uh, I like I like it I, w- I was into the pick I liked Elfline a little bit more as far as scheme fit goes but you know Nathan when they picked him and I made that comment you you said that you felt like, you know, Posick really makes a lot of sense and I should go back and take a second look. And I did. I looked at the film again and I have to say, I agree. I think you're right. I saw a guy who can get to the second level on the interior of the line very well. I think I underestimated his footwork. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's a guy who does his job. Yeah, it's like we don't have we last year we didn't have a lot of guys who seemed like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. It was always like a guy goes into the second level and never finds a block. This guy's not gonna do that. This he's guy gonna, you consistently saw put linebackers on their back. <laughs> right. He's gonna get to the second level and put a dude on his ass. Like he's gonna he's gonna get out there. I, I really I like enjoyed watching his film and I think you know, yeah, maybe LSU was underwhelming last year in a lot of regards and so maybe he took the shine off a lot of their players, except for Fournette. And uh, this guy was one of the reasons Fournette was so good. Well, know? let me give you a little bit more, so a few more statistics to back up what you're saying. So college production, this guy was second team All-SEC in 2015, first team All-SEC in 2016 at center. He was an All-American for some of the All-American teams. There's a lot of All-American teams, but he was on some of them in 2016, his senior year as a center. Uh, he, The LSU offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus, was the top-rated offensive line in college football, and he had the highest rating among them with an 82.7 grade. It's not apples to apples, but by comparison, he would have been the highest-rated Seahawks offensive lineman by about four points ahead of Justin Britt. He allowed a total of 11 pressures. Um, and while that was happening, you know, you might go LSU, they didn't really have a passing offense. Okay. Well, they racked up 233 rushing yards per game, which is 21st in FBS. And that was against SEC competition. Runners averaged 6.6 yards per carry and 46.8% of those yards occurred after contact. Hmm. I just say, don't be surprised if this guy turns out to be real good. I mean, he could suck. Like we've, we've dropped a lot of bum offensive linemen. In the past, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he turns out to be easily like the the sneaky best pick in this whole draft. Well, I, I watched think- a I watched a little film on like John Schneider and Pete Carroll talking about their draft, and Schneider was legitimately excited, like ecstatic to get Posick. He was talking about how the you know we we really tried to hide how much we were scouting this guy, and I cannot believe we got him. And we that was a guy we circled, and it wasn't like you know when we drafted Kristen Michael. In the second round, it was like, nope, this guy was the top of our board. You can kind of tell, like, really? This guy? Is he? Um, 
It felt honest with Schneider this time. All right, so then we uh, we went cornerback with uh, Shaquille Griffin, which many would say was a huge reach here. But I I trust our <laughs> I trust our coaches to scout cornerbacks at this point. This guy has long arms. He has great instincts. The the UCF secondary really overachieved, despite the fact that the team sucked, uh, and that's probably because of Shaquille and his brother. But uh, the and yeah, I, I like I like the player. I think that he'll be fine. He he fits the profile of what I think the Seahawks are looking for in a cornerback. Like, do I think that there was a lot of good cornerbacks and we just kind of passed on them all? Yeah, maybe. But this, I think Griffin is is going to do fine, just fine in our system. You guys both know this. This is a player that I've been high on for a while. As we were going through the process, when I combed it down to about ten corners that I thought were really good fits, he was one of the ones that stayed on my board. I thought he was a great fit for our system. He's not super tall at six foot, but that's still an above average height for a corner. But the cool thing is, again, getting into arm length and technical crap that most people don't care about, he has 32 and 3 eighths inch arms, Ooh. the arm length, which for comparison is less than an inch shorter than Posick's arms, yeah. who's a six foot six interior <laughs> offensive lineman. Um, and he ran a sub 4440. He was like a 438 40 yard dash. Like the, the athletic ability is really off the charts. We don't get a lot of corners that are as athletic as Shaquille Griffin. So you could sort of say like the clay that's being molded is of a, of a higher quality than what we normally have had. And he might get forced into starting a little bit before I feel totally comfortable with that because of uh, injuries in our secondary. And, you know, I don't know, maybe we have a lot of faith in the free agent signings that we brought in. You know, I, I don't, I didn't, but, Maybe the Seahawks too. It's hard to say. Griffin doesn't have super great reads or instincts. That's something that he's going to have to develop a bit. Uh, but he only allowed thirty three percent completions to his side in twenty sixteen. So, I mean, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he has a ton of pass breakups. I mean, he's one of those guys who doesn't have a lot of picks. But what he had fifteen pass breakups. That's a ton. Yeah, Parrish Cox. Parrish Cox is uh, someone that you know maybe can fill the gap till Griffin's ready to. Uh, so I'm not, you know, we don't need him to be great when we have such great safeties. Speaking of safeties, our next pick was a safety. Uh, it's an in the box safety, Delano Hill, or is it Delano? Delano? I don't know. Anyway, he's big safety. He'll probably play on special teams and maybe sneak into some three, two, five sets or four, two, five sets if uh, the Seahawks decide to go that way. Um, another college production guy. He, the Michigan secondary was really good. Yep. And so the, the, we drafted a guy out of a very high-producing secondary here. Yeah, and he actually fits another trend that we see with Thompson, Hill, Griffin. Um, the defensive backs that we took are all kind of late bloomers. All of them, their last year in college was their best. So that's another thing you might say about the way that they scouted because that usually will indicate a guy who maybe has hasn't reached their ceiling yet. They're getting better, so you have solid productivity, but you don't think that you're capping out on them yet. Yeah. All right. So our next pick, we came in with a, a DT. Uh, we got Nazare Jones, and I, I like Nazare Jones just for mostly for the story. The story is so good. He like woke up one day, was paralyzed, couldn't move, rehabbed his way back into the into the mix. Now is it? I think the Seahawks are kind of suckers for guys like this, guys who go through like real life controversy, you know, to and then come back. So I, I don't know. He's huge. He's six five, three oh four. He's his the arms are very big. The line. Yeah, when you watch him play, he reminds me a lot of Tony McDaniel. Actually, the way he like his size and the way he uses it, and that's kind of cool. I mean, this is another. guy. He had a, a ten pass breakups in his college career. And 22 tackles for loss. And if you watch his tape, this guy just, if he's able to play downhill, he just wrecks your day on the run game. He, you know, uh, we talked about three technique with um, yeah, he's Malik one, McDowell. He's a one tech. This guy definitely looks like he is a neck, he's a really good one tech in the making, but he has upside. Long- he has not tapped his potential yet. He could get some pass rush. Long term, uh, long term, a uh, uh, Ty Rubin insurance. Ty Rubin is thirty one. He's getting older. Uh, maybe we don't want to be spending that much money at defensive tackle. This guy maybe will uh, slot in in that position in the next year or two. Yeah, um, and Azar Jones plus Jaron Reed 
that's a good rotation at one tech. Yep. Uh, next pick, we went wide receiver with uh, Amara Darbo. Uh, he was the, uh, you know, top one of the top three receivers at Michigan. They had three pretty good wide receivers. I would not be surprised if he immediately comes in and uh, competes for snaps at X because of um, Jerain Curse's uh, unique lack of skill. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I would. I think that he's he's big. He has nice catch radius. Uh, he all one thing that I really liked about him is he's really good at contested catches. He has, yeah, he has like a lot of tape of him like catching a ball through a dude. Yeah, so. he definitely can use the fifty fifty ball. Like he he definitely fits that curse role. He's a bit. He's a the big knock on him is he's a body catcher, and that'll be an interesting thing to see how much he works his way out of. But I mean, it's not that different than Jermaine Curse. No, which is why he's basically, you know, he he's six two two fourteen, so he's a little bigger than Curse, little longer arms, little bigger hands. Big thing is he ran a four four five forty. That's speed the Curse doesn't have and hasn't had. You know, he's more athletic, and that athleticism gives gives him a much higher ceiling and a much lower paycheck than Jermaine Curse and yeah. another Michigan player. Yep, and yeah, we, we love went, those Harbaugh college guys. We went with another uh, high production secondary, my favorite secondary in college football last year, Tedrick Thompson out of Colorado. Colorado, you know, I really wanted a Keller Witherspoon, and the stupid 49ers got him, <laughs> which, <laughs> which just makes me mad because now I can't even root for him in the pros. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Tedrick Thompson is—he's uh, a really good safety. He led the league. He led the nation in passes defenses last year, and uh, he. He's uh he's really good, and I think he could match up and slot corner immediately. He reminds me of a of like the kind of guy who could maybe start as safety slot corner, but by the end of his career could be playing outside cornerback. He's got the the unique physical tools to do so. It's funny the coaching staff talked about Hill and Tyson getting tryouts at corner and didn't mention Thompson, but I'm with you, Nathan. I think that with his ball skills and. Uh, he's got quick feet. He doesn't have good long speed. Like he ran a four six forty, and if you watch him play on the field, he has a little bit of trouble like turning and running with a faster receiver. But that makes him ideal in the slot, especially because he's such a plus zone guy, and he can use those zone skills plus his ability to kind of quickly move and shadow a receiver to be really effective in that scheme. Yeah, yeah I think he. He's uh he the thing is is his ball skills are so strong you know and that if your when his ball skills are that strong it makes me think that you know he could he could play a lot of different positions in the secondary if, yeah. if needed seven picks and sixteen pass breakups last year and also Pro Football Focus rated him their best coverage defender in all of college football in 2016 and if you watch the tape like go look it up look up Tedrick Thompson highlights on YouTube. And you'll see a guy who just makes plays. You know, we didn't get a ton of picks last year. This is a guy who could make a difference in that area. And, uh, and depending on how we use Deion Jordan, this could be another sign that we're just going like four two five. Yep. If Deion Jordan's not going to play third linebacker, and the rumors are now that like they've watched the tape and they've decided he's he's just a defensive end for us. Uh, so if that's true, you know that's that means that this guy is our like pure. Uh, you know, he might be a pure safety that just plays in the box on, you know, he might play neck, right next to Bobby Wagner in the four two five. Or Cam could, and he could go split the two deep with uh, Earl Thomas, and you have yeah. a couple of ball hawks. Well, we don't there. know what the Seahawks are going to do, but a lot of people are thinking that Cam, and we've talked about it here, that Cam may be, like, extra linebackery more so than he has been in yeah. the past. And that's a role that, Ty- that Tyson, we'll talk about tomorrow, can get into, but he'll... Hill is a really good downhill, uh, in the box hitting safety. Like, you know, the, the really controversial play against Ohio State this year. Um, he actually came up and made a hit on JT Barrett, uh, Ohio State's quarterback. And JT Barrett's a pretty good sized quarterback and he put him on his butt. You know, this is a guy who, can come up and be an enforcer at safety, but I think he has a higher upside in his coverage skills than Cam Chancellor ever would. Cam, I liked his coverage skills earlier in his career when they had holes, but now, I mean, I don't know. He's not like old, old, but he's had injuries. Uh, A skill set like Cam Chancellor's does not age super gracefully. When you're that big, there is a fine line between 
athletic enough to hang and just a step too slow. We talked about it a bit with Richard Sherman last year when everyone wanted to write him off and when a nagging injury seemed to be limiting him a little bit. Cam Chancellor is not going to age gracefully past 30. Look at big line uh, look at big safeties look at in kenny the last easily. 20 years look at kenny easily for and, the seahawks yeah you can the go seahawks back a history further it's, it's you're right kevin it's it's a lot of wear and tear i mean they're people say oh we're good they're getting in car crashes every night the safety yeah i mean every game they're yeah they're destroying other people and that's been his game <laughs> yeah that's what he's made his paycheck on he made his paycheck on all right so we're we're making really good time and i think we should just Go for the other four picks. You guys okay with that? This is Kevin's call. Yeah, Kevin, do you need to do more research or do you got you got this? Well, I was thinking we're we gonna... can bitch about Trubisky. It's and the Trubisky-ski? Bears. Trubisky ski. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what the hard camp. You, you got to work on the hard camp. More time. Well, I figured we'd do it next week, so we had something to talk about. Oh well, I've stuff to talk about because of the depth, depth chart shaking now. I. I, I mean, yeah, we can run it. Right. I, I'm good. I've looked at everything. So, all go. right, so let's do this. Um, all right, we drafted uh, the world heavyweight champion. Yeah. Weighing in at 215 pounds. You thought his you video know, game was harder to find before. Uh, you know, the thing with him is that uh, he really fell because of the injury. Was his, was it his back? He broke his back. What Was it Was It, it was vertebrae? spinal. <laughs> spinal. It was spinal. Thanks, um, Thanks okay. for indulging us, Nathan. That was the one time. So uh, Tyson's really interesting because he actually played a hybrid safety linebacker in college. And he's kind of limited in man, but he's a plus zone guy. They used him a lot like in the flats or just to cover like the whole kind of middle of the field. And uh, he's he kind of reminds me of Deshaun Shedd. He's not a guy who has a lot of picks, but he has like a good amount of pass breakups. Didn't he have five last year, though? He had five, but three of them were in one game and two of them were in another. Right. It was bad quarterback play. And if you watch the one against Tulsa, it was bad quarterback. That's play. digging the stats, Kevin. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So Tyson, I thought looked okay. Um, he maybe will develop into a player that's useful on our defense for now. He's going to compete for a special teams job. He'll probably make the team. Probably sneak, sneak onto the practice. He'll be able to sneak him onto the practice squad if he doesn't make the team. Um, same with our next pick, uh, Justin Senior. Um, which the the rumor is that we're going to let him try to. Uh, compete for a left tackle job, so that will certainly not work out. Justin Sr., so I took him off my draft board for the Seahawks because every time I watched tape on him, I felt like I was watching a highlight tape for the defensive end. Like, that's my yeah. summary. Like, and he's big. He's if 6'5", you, 331. He's huge. It takes you a little while to move around him, but he's so raw and you watch him against any of the top-level SEC pass rushers. Actually, I'm not even sure that he's raw, Kevin. I think his footwork is... It, it, you know what it reminds me his of? His footwork's sloppy. It reminds me of Britt, though. He doesn't have the physical tools to keep up with some of these guys. He's I like, think you're right. He's like a Sigma, like, not... Like, we would say, like, <laughs> for, like, the Sigma 3 af- athletes. Like Justin he's a Sigma, Sigma 0.5. Is, is, is smart enough, but, like, if he had George Fant's body... In Justin Senior's brain, I think that that would be a good football player. But it's like that he's always playing catch up. He's like behind. He doesn't. He did. And then like once you're behind on a football play, we saw with Britt, you know, two years ago when he was playing right tackle. Like once you're behind, it's over. Like, so what you're saying is we need to move him to center. Oh God, How many know. centers can we have? <laughs> all center. All maybe, center team. Maybe we think that our world class uh, training staff can you know get him up to speed it wouldn't be a seahawks draft if we didn't make a pick Nathan, like this you make though. my testicles hurt with comments like that uh i don't know dude i'm trying i'm trying i mean what i would have rather we ended up with Dion dawkins too but like it didn't happen yeah I, there's a lot of people i'd rather have including people that we could have gotten with that pick uh chad wheeler out of usc but you know i guess i'm not an nfl scout what do i know yeah, all right. We got uh, we drafted a wide, another wide receiver, David Moore, out of East Central. Uh, so the best thing I have to say about this is that East Central, that's the actual name of a real college. Yeah. That's not just from one of those <laughs> 90s movies where people make up a college Columbus and University. then pretend that they're attending them and send fake letters and then goofy hijinks happen. It's it's a real place that somebody went. He's just a height-weight speed guy. Um, this looks like your classic, hey, this is a UDFA we really wanted. Let's spend a seven on him. Yeah, and then the last pick we took was uh, Christopher Carson. Chris Carson. He's fast. Uh, and back. big. Yeah. Running back out of Oklahoma State. Yeah, he's a running back. 
he's he, prototypical size. He's like what six one two eighteen something like that. Unless he's playing special teams, he won't make our opening day roster. But he does have a good shot to make it on the practice squad, and then maybe a year or two from now be a player that we're we're like all talking about. Yeah. The other thing is he does offer something different than a lot of other guys because he's got a big body. Like he's a banger. If you watch him, dude, our starting running back has the biggest body. <laughs> he's like Justin Senior big, but uh, <laughs> but Carson Carson's a big body as opposed to uh, like uh, Rawls, for instance. And so for that reason, he's probably going to get a look. He also played in a pass heavy offense. He knows how to be a receiver. He knows how to do a little pass protection, though it wasn't a pro-style scheme, so it's hard to say how much of that will translate. But if you watch video of him, what you see repeatedly is this is a guy who will lower his shoulder yeah, he runs and put over, someone on their butt. He runs over people. <laughs> we, we, we drafted a lot of guys who like putting people on their butt. Sounds like a very a physical theme. draft. That's the other theme. <laughs> yeah, honestly, the only pick that I wasn't super stoked on was uh, the wide receiver in the seventh round right before this. I. David Moore? Yeah, I thought you could really just keep throwing, you know, if you call picks money, just keep throwing money at offensive linemen or money at at cornerbacks. Like a few years ago when we picked up, uh, what was it, Uh, Bowie and um, we picked up like three offensive linemen who were kind of functional for a few years and we picked them all up in like the sixth and seventh. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded a little bit of that spaghetti at the wall strategy, but you know, it's how much am I going to critique him? Exactly. I and think also, that it's a seventh round pick. They're not going to make the roster nine times out of ten anyway. Yeah, the seventh round pick is a total crapshoot. Um, then we had the uh, undrafted free agents fest. Um, the highlight for one, I'm just going to go one highlight for me. Uh, tight end, uh, Texas. I mentioned him on the podcast before. Swoop. Uh, but yeah, we, 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 we swoop. Ended, yeah, we ended up with swoops and, uh, I, I like, I like it. It's just a, he's a developmental prospect. He's huge. Uh, I would not be surprised if two years from now, three years from now, he's, uh, he's getting that like, oh, he's a ex basketball, you know, he converted a position and he's really tall, like the same kind of, uh, hype that, you know, those like ex basketball player tight ends get, you know, it's Jimmy like, Graham. Yeah. And uh, oh, he was like you're saying, he's position. athletically gifted. He has upside. I didn't, I didn't, nothing else on the UDFA list really pumped me up. I mean, there was guys on there that I knew we had been scouting and uh, guys like that that, you know, maybe will have a chance to make the team. And then the Seahawks do do pretty well with UDFAs. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a track record there. Um, yeah, Swoops was a was an interesting pick. I, I'm glad that we got him because we, we don't have very many tight ends on our roster either. We just have the three and we didn't draft another one. So getting a developmental tight end in here for if, you know, something doesn't work out with Graham is, is good, a good idea. Yeah. I like, uh, Skylar Howard, the quarterback from West Virginia. That's another high productivity guy. He had some injuries, but you know, it's always nice to have a practice squad QB. You never know what'll happen. Why couldn't we get Gerard Evans? I'm so sorry. Right. I'm so sad. He's, he didn't get drafted. And I was or like, Chad Wheeler. Man, this is not going like, my way. I was like, he didn't get drafted. Maybe we'll get him. Nope. No, we didn't. The other one, don't sleep on Jordan Roos, yeah, the but- guard out of Purdue. This is one of those like interior, like country strong offensive lineman. He played for a really bad Purdue squad for his entire years. college career. Started all four years. And he was like the talented guy on that offense. Yeah, he didn't get invited to the combine, which I think was what killed his draft yes. possibilities. I think that he would have maybe had a chance to get drafted with how well he ran in his like 20 yard shuttle and cone drill at the, at his pro day. But then people don't take pro days that seriously. Yeah. So. I could legitimately see him doing better than, uh, Justin senior, but I think both of them are probably practice squad destined. Maybe Roos gets in because we, well, no, we have a good backup guard because one of Glowinski or Abuji are going to be um, yeah, a backup Abu- guard. Ode Abushi or probably, Posick, worst case. Ode Abushi or Posick is is going to have to compete for jobs, and may, maybe even a Fetty. I don't know. Like I, I, mean, I, the team spent a first round pick on him, so I'd like to see him win that job. But I wouldn't be sh- super stunned, you know, if like all of a sudden if we Abushi get to the regular it. season and it's like, oh, like Abushi didn't make it, or Glowinski didn't make it, or I mean, Glowinski or Fetty didn't make it. You know, that those those guys could get beat. Yeah, the thing to take away from all this, I think we can all agree, there's a lot more average or slightly above average talent on the offensive line, which is a massive improvement from an offensive line that was like two to three-fifths below average talent last year. 
Yep. And the last big piece of Seahawks news, uh, Sean Lynch is a Raider. Ugh. And, uh, you know what? Good for him. He's a, he's an Oakland boy. I'm sure the first time he touched a football, he imagined himself in an Oakland Raiders helmet. He only has two years left to play for the Raiders. Uh, so good for him. I, I wish him all the best. And, uh, if we play them in the Super Bowl, I hope that we kill them. I'm okay seeing it, like hearing the news, but just seeing that picture over your shoulder of, you know, him in Raiders gear made me like cringe a little bit. Made me wince. Not going to lie. Oh, uh, we also re-signed Jake Heaps. Oh, well, I feel a lot better now. Wait, we re-signed who? Backup Jake quarterback, Heaps. dude. Backup oh. quarterback, oh, Jake God. Heaps. Jake Heaps. So we get to relive that preseason storyline all over again. We didn't, we didn't draft a quarterback at all. I was, that was the one surprise from the draft. Oh, that wasn't remotely surprising to me. I just thought, we're not going to pick up like the I just want Drone Evans though. Columbus University, yeah, Drone Evans. Could have seriously. picked him up instead of uh, the guy from Southwest Leftern Carolina. Where State. did Drone Evans go? A different team. Okay, Drone Evans. I think he's on the Steelers, but let me double check. Yeah, uh, I, I've been it's Virginia Tech. Right? I've been doing my post draft write up for the Seahawks stuff. I really haven't looked at any other teams okay. yet. Uh, not in depth. The Eagles. The Eagles are signing the him. Eagles. Yeah, oh. which I I just I don't know. I thought he was a good. You know, scheme fit, good project quarterback. We don't Too need tall. A, we don't need a starter in the next couple of years. Too tall. But apparently he has to be six feet or under. Yep. Um, all right, let's talk about the biggest news in the NFL. Number one, the Bears gave up the world to get Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, <laughs> I will never stop making fun of this for the rest of my life. Carson Wentz, you're off the hook. Yeah. Blake Bortles, you, <laughs> Sorry, uh, Blake you Bortles, may be a little off the hook. Blake Bortles, you are you got off the hook. Jared put, Goff, not off the hook I yet. Put Carson Wentz, I put Carson Wentz on the hook, and you know what? Doesn't seem so bad anymore. Carson Wentz, you're back off the hook. Well, that's the thing. First of all, the Bears had the third pick in the draft. They traded up one and to the gave 49ers. a king's ransom to trade San Francisco up one. Francisco was never taking Trubisky. Oh, no man. one else was moving up to get them. They, they, get they floated that story, and it seems so obvious. Like the oh yeah, we're floating this story to try to get a better to try to get someone to trade up to us. And, and the someone, Bears are like, wait, we love bidding against ourselves. How do the Bears fall for that, Eric? Like, <laughs> Honestly, that was just the one thing I was looking at. Like, okay, Trubisky will not. Do the, are the Niners really going to take him? No way. And the Bears traded up, and I was like, please just tell me you. It was just a little, a little bit. Like you got a third round pick or something. No, it was, it was ridiculous. And to a division rival, how the hell do you do that? And then, and then the video comes out of Gruden's quarterback camp. Obviously, the the pinnacle to how we judge everything in life. <laughs> and the man. Mitch and or Mitchell Trubisky does not know what a hard count is. Yeah, you got to got to say hut more than once, Mitch. Come on. Yeah, you got to work on your hard count. You got to figure <laughs> out what that is. Like if you hear that word from John Gruden, you're you're John that's almost like critique, and that doesn't happen much. <laughs> oh, by the way, of quarterbacks we talked about, Brad Kaya, man, he. Oh man, that guy fell. He went from like before the process started, people talked about him as like a fringe first rounder, and he ended up going in round six. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it rough? Uh, and I, this is a guy who could have stayed for another year in college. Guess he should have stayed for another this? year in college. How about this, Kevin? Just so we're clear, Brock Osweiler was so bad, the Texans traded Osweiler, a second-round pick, and two first-round picks to upgrade to Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, pretty bad. I'm going to laugh so hard if he has anything that resembles a functional season for the Browns this year. <laughs> and and then somebody trades for him again. And you, you know what? I'm not crazy. I wasn't crazy a pre-draft about Pat Mahomes, but Pat Mahomes plus Andy Reid, that'll probably work out super good. I, yes. I take back everything I said. Pat, Do you like them trading up to get him, though? Andy Reid is a quarterback guru. He knows how to evaluate quarterbacks, and he knows how to get the most out of them. Alex Smith went from, like, eh to, like, decent to, like, pretty good under Andy Reid's tutelage. And I'm sure if, if he went to a different team, it'd be, like, not quite as good. Well, remember... People think Alex Smith, and they think, like, well, he was starting to do better for the 49ers. That was under Harbaugh. Harbaugh's also a really good quarterbacks coach. Yep. Yeah. Look at him any time prior to Harbaugh getting his hands on him, and you have a player who was a lot of ability and zero production. Blaine Gabbert. Like, that's, yes. That, that, I would say, like, he was like Blaine Gabbert. So yeah, he you looked like about- somebody that Mel Kuyper guaranteed would succeed. However you feel about Blaine Gabbert, that's how you feel about pre- Good, good coach Alex Smith, and I think that Pat Mahomes, you know, he'll probably be very successful because it's a great landing spot for him. I agree. Um, so yeah, if next, especially you know, he'll pull the uh, Aaron Rodgers. I doubt he'll play this year, but going into next year, when Alex Smith is on the Vikings and uh, we're looking at starting quarterback for Kansas City, Pat Mahomes will probably be pretty sweet. Um, how about this story? I like this one. During Solomon Thomas's freshman year, John Lynch went back to Stanford to finish his college degree. Yes. Uh, not only did he take a class in management science and engineering class with 
Solomon Thomas, but they work together on a project. Oh yeah. That's that's a deep connection for John Lynch there when he picks Solomon Thomas. Did you hear the other part about that? No. Did they get an A? I no. <laughs> <laughs> they got a B plus. Um is the name of the project how to fix the 49ers in three years. That could be. If not, it is now. The funny thing is that reports are saying that when San Francisco traded back, they assumed Chicago was trading up to pick Solomon Thomas. <laughs> And then when they pick Mitch Trubisky, they're like, oh, well, okay, then I, I guess we'll get Solomon Thomas. <laughs> so I mean, that would have made more sense than what they did. It would have. It, w- it would have been made any sense at all. So, yeah. Speaking of not making sense, Nathan, uh, what do you make of the Bills post-draft move? Yeah, firing Doug Whaley. That's what interesting. I, I mean, firing him right after the draft is... Uh... That's just weird. I mean, I guess they just wanted to get through the process and have someone there and didn't want to do the transition during the draft. Yeah, but it's not like they're recruiting and in the same way. It's also not like the GM of Buffalo hasn't put together a pretty dang good roster for a city that is going to have a lot of trouble getting people to come out there. What yeah. about the Applebee's and the Dave and Busters? All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, uh, this is the most shocking news story of the week. There were no arrests made at the NFL draft in Philadelphia. I, w- I just couldn't believe that. Like, I, I think that's got to be BS. There's no way. Come on, Philadelphia fans not getting arrested. <laughs> Maybe there was something else going on that weekend that accounted for all the arrests. Was there like an early May Day riot or something? I don't know. <laughs> um, they just saved it up for May Day. ESPN fired everyone. Except Mel Kiper. That was a big news story. Yeah, except for the clickbait people. So I feel like they, they just like looked at who got the most clicks and then just kept the clickbaitiest people. Except they got rid of Andy Katz, too. Basically, they got rid of all their story breakers. That's the weird thing. The Getting rid of Ed Werder seemed weird because he was really well-respected, except he he did, he did was the one who, uh, who nailed the uh, Richard Sherman to the Raiders story. You know what I really like? Hmm. After they fired, after they said they were going to lay off Ed Werder, they asked him if he'd cover New Orleans for the draft coverage, and he said, "No, nah, I'm good." That's pretty good. <laughs> I, I will say, uh, as much as I did not Ed like has him, money. as <laughs> much as I didn't like Trent Dilfer on uh, my television set, much after he was a Seahawks quarterback, I will miss Dilfer's dimes, which was Trent Dilfer's weekly talk about all the attractive women he saw the oh. week before. Maybe, maybe I never watched it. I just assumed that's what it was about. If he's if he's getting a dime a week, that's one more dime than he threw per week in his NFL career. This is truth. Harsh cut. Because that is a, medi- a, a mediocre quarterback, if there ever was one. That's going out to you, Seahawks fans. Speaking of mediocre for? quarterbacks, story for Brett. Jay Cutler wants to play for the Texans, but they won't return his calls. <laughs> is this the best NFL story of all time? It's because they're tobacco-free. They just they oh, can't handle it. Just gosh. imagine Jay Cutler like sitting in front of his phone, just hoping the Texans will call him. I hope he ends up surfacing for the Argonauts or something like that, and throwing ninety touchdowns. All right. So in the last story, Jamal Charles stabs the city of Kansas City right in the heart and signs with the Broncos. They stabbed him first. Yeah. Uh, well, they stabbed his knee just over and over, both knees over and over, just killing fantasy seasons year after year. This is a good uh, a good fit too if he can stay healthy. Well, yeah. Do we know the the money? Uh, it's like three point seven five million max. Yeah, it's way better than the Adrian Peterson contract for a player who I think is like just as iffy. So yes. he was going to a team in the division where that has a great offensive line that loves to run the football. Right. Great then, fit. Another another thing, Kevin. I want you. I want to read the list of players that the the Bears got for Carson Wentz. Okay, or that I means sorry, the, the Browns got for Carson Wentz. Okay, I don't know if this is a good trade or not, but. Corey Coleman, Sean Coleman, Cody Kessler, Ricardo Lewis, Derek Kindred, Jordan Payton, Spencer Drongo, Jabril Peppers, and Deshaun Kaiser. And they also have, and they two, have two more picks. They have a first right? round and a second round pick still from yeah. the trade. <laughs> That's nuts. That's... I don't even like I don't even know if they would trade like Corey Coleman, Cody Kessler, Jabril Peppers, and Deshaun Kaiser. Like I think those four guys are as well, I don't like Carson Wentz, so maybe that's a disclosure thing, but like those I guys think are there's good. some of that there. The big thing is the Browns had such a dearth of talent, and they used this trade and some maneuvering to just bring up the floor of their team. Yeah, the worst player, they're not going to win two games next year. They're going to win at least six because they went from like a team with no talent to a team that has real football players at a bunch of different positions. It's almost yeah. like they, they just traded in their team. 
over basically over, multiple picks. over the last two seasons yeah. they have basically they've turned over I, I would love to see the percentage but it's got to be like two thirds of their roster it's uh it's like when Pete Carroll came in made 56 roster moves yeah I don't know it's I'm, they had I'm to though they had to purge the roster real proud of the Browns they had like seven guys worth keeping and they kept the best one mm-hmm. and now defensive back wise they still need some help. But they went out and got themselves a heck of a pass rush. And that's and a good way offense, to cover up for some difficulty in the secondary. Their offensive line is going to be really good next year, too. They it si- is. They both signed guys that are good, and they already had guys that were good. They will be able to both run and protect the pass. Like I like the Browns to be frisky. I don't think they'll be good, but they'll be frisky next year. And they have the option to sit Kaiser for a year if they want to. But, you know, the Browns had a functional... Or excuse me, the the Broncos had a functional run game and a pretty decent (laughs) and a pretty decent offensive line, and Brock Osweiler was able to stand back there like a like a statue and make a couple of decent throws. If he could play like he did for the Broncos, then yeah, they're going to win like six or seven games. Hey man, the crow needs to eat. The crow (laughs) needs to eat. The crow knows. Crow knows. Crow knows. Yeah, he's out Fake there. For, crow. He's out there for the crow hose. All right, so <laughs> Eric, yes, tell us how you can support the Seahawks Nest podcast. Oh, I thought for sure you were going to ask me what I thought about the new uh, Rams helmets, but I'll, I'll go to this instead. Are they are they just like green and uh, are they just blue and white? Yes, That's... with the exact same jerseys. Oh, so they left the gold. Why? But took the gold off the helmet. Thank That's you. Dumb. That's perfect. The blue and white. Why? I, the blue and white. I actually like. Yeah, I, they could have just gone like reverse. Yeah, Colts. those old uniforms were way better. Yeah, they could have gone reverse Colts, but no, they didn't. Uh, you can support us uh, by going to Patreon and f- choose from one of our uh, many packages. Uh, basically, just support the podcast. We uh, like the Seahawks defense. We run many packages. Exactly. You can. Uh, you know, we would urge you to for one month pay for the highest. Package, which, uh, what does that cost, Nathan? $31 in honor of our boy, Cam Chancellor. Cam Chancellor. And then after that, dip down to a dollar. And that's, uh, that's, you know, you're paying like 30 something dollars a year. Yeah, you'll get all the rewards from the tier that you choose for one month, and then you can go down to a lower tier to give us your continuing support. I do not expect you to be giving us that much per month. That's crazy. All right. You You can also find us. Yeah, find us. Find us on, uh, Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, Seahawks Nest. Uh, get us on our website, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, all of these mobile streaming apps that you use on your phone because no one has a home computer anymore except for Nathan. Uh, you can listen to our podcast virtually anywhere. Yeah, there you go. So we did it. We did it, fam. We've really made it. And now it is time for us to talk about a movie, a movie that I watched today. <laughs> so <laughs> that's right. That's, that's how we're going to do it. I was, I was feeling a little... St- Sick to my stomach, and I was like, I want to watch a movie. And so I watched one of my all-time favorites. I watched a movie that I love so much by a director that I wish directed every goddamn movie. That's Steven Soderbergh, and that movie is Ocean's Eleven. So uh, I watched a little uh, of this today. <laughs> you watched, It was on TV. Yeah. It was on AMC. I was like, oh, I want to watch this. I love this movie. All right. So I also turned it off immediately because they were editing out the swearing and went and got the DVD. <laughs> Do you like that? So uh I was like 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 that scene where he's um he's got him on the, he's got him outside of the uh he's got him outside the thing and they all eat the food and then Matt Damon's character, uh Linus, he's sitting outside, like he doesn't go in he's like, Oh, how you doing? How's your dad? Okay, good, uh so so uh, why don't you go ahead and get your ass in the goddamn house? They, they edited that out. It's so it's so good. Um Yeah, I just I love this movie so much. I think no movie has pulled off uh like the modern ensemble with quite the uh, the the verve, I guess, of this movie. There's a just... ton of star power in this movie. Well, we got uh, George Clooney, Bernie Mac, Brad Pitt, uh, Casey Affleck, Academy Casey Award Affleck. winner. Yep. Andy Julia Garcia. Roberts. Yep. Uh, Andy Garcia, like you said. Uh, the uh, oh wait, wait, we got Don Cheadle, uh, Scott Can, uh, Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner. That's like the a, name I was. Who's like, yep. a, who's like a uh, like old Hollywood legend? Yes. Playing Saul. Uh, you Blue. know who he is. Rob Reiner's dad. Which is like another cool thing about him. <laughs> uh, we got Elliot Gould. Uh, I think that's like basically everyone, right? Yeah, that's a pretty big list. I mean, but it's just, everyone is great. Uh, like everyone just plays their parts like to a T. I love Brad Pitt always eating stuff in every yes. scene. Just so funny. Um, yeah, just that the movie is just really, really, really well, well made. 
okay, a couple cool production notes before we go in too deep. Uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen were considered considered to be the play the Wilson brothers because they wanted to uh, have a more affordable budget. So they dropped like Mike Myers, Bruce Willis, Ewan McGregor, Alan Arkin, and Ralph Fiennes, who are all supposed to be in this movie, and uh, and Mark Wahlberg was supposed to be in this movie. Oh, you would have loved this movie even more. Oh yeah, dude, it was going to be my movie, dude. What my movie, dude? Yeah, I would have been awesome in this movie. Uh, anyway, uh, so so they uh, I could have ate stuff. Another thing, Johnny Depp was supposed to be in it. Luke and Lowen Wilson were considered. Anyway, they ended up just kind of like going with a bunch of guys who were like not quite top tier stars in addition to the obvious top tier stars of Pitt, Clooney and Roberts and uh, I think that actually worked really well made a stronger cast overall I agree and, and like like you know Casey Affleck was was perfect those those guys arguing in the movie is so funny every yeah, time Casey oh. Affleck basically playing the character from his Dunkin Donuts commercial on <laughs> SNL yeah I mean they looked like brothers the way that they played everything off the way they set them up at the very beginning when they're doing the monster truck race <laughs> oh yeah, when he he runs over the, the he runs the over the car. the uh, miniature car. Yeah, it's so it's good. just perfect. Oh, oh, like when he's yelling at it when they when he puts the balloons over the camera and he's like, "You're a balloon boy." <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, yeah, so uh, I love this movie and I love Soderbergh in general. Like I think the way his directorial style, which is just like so straightforward, he just everything just it, the movie just moves. You know, it just it just like works. And yeah. I really, really like that. I like all of the Oceans trilogy. I think people, people hate on Oceans 12. And I will admit, like, the whole, like, you look like Julia Roberts thing is stupid. But, like, it's still, I still think it's a fun movie. Um, I quite like it a lot. I never saw Oceans 12. I do um, enjoy, uh, Oceans 11 quite a bit. And did, did you see Oceans 13? No. Cause no. I think Oceans 13 is sneaky, like, an awesome movie, almost as good as the original. Yeah, you, uh, you think it's right up there, right? It's got Pacino in it playing like a like a sleazy like hotel guy who's now they they got they're trying to get him because he's uh it, it's kind of like the plot of the first movie, you know? They're yeah. trying, but they're just trying to make him like lose money because they it's just a re, it's a revenge movie. It's like a revenge. You mean they're getting leverage? It's no, it's, <laughs> it's like a revenge heist, which I which I love the idea of like, cause, like revenge heist. <laughs> Uh, they'll never make another one of these movies with the original cast because uh, Bernie Mac, rest in peace. Uh, yeah. he's, he's great in these movies, and they they've said they don't want to make like another, uh, you know, o- original. You can't do a different Frank Cotton o- original Oceans movie without without um, him. So they're basically done with those. But they are going to make like a, a female cast remake, Oceans Eight, which is coming out, which I'm I'm excited about. It, Soderbergh's involved, so I'm sure I'll like it. It's a movie uh, that will get bagged on for no reason, and then it's a heist movie, so it'll be better than yeah, it is. The plot sounds great, so like just the uh, if the, the plot if the plot just read this is a heist movie and Soderbergh's doing it, that's a great plot. Yeah. I'm good. I'm it's, down. Soderbergh's just producing and editing. Although I mean that's a big part of <laughs> what enough. I like about him. Uh, anyway, uh, Sandra Bullock is playing uh, Danny Ocean's estranged sister, and she's going to lead a crew to do a heist at the Met Gala. With a, cool. And apparently there's going to be a bunch of famous people at the Met Gala when it happens too, like Kim Kardashian, Olivia Munn, Katie Holmes, uh, Zayn Malik, like a bunch of just people you heard of. So, so wait, is this related to the the, the other Oceans movie? It's, it's like in the Oceans universe. Universe. Because this is a strange system. I mean, you have to, it's, here's it's the, thing. the Oceans MCU. you yeah. got to figure... Matt Damon has a cameo as Linus Caldwell in the movie, so it's definitely in, in the, the same world. Or yeah, i got to say, though, they're going to get caught because... They're going to find out it's Danny Ocean's sister and be like, oh, this is too much of a coincidence. Do you think it'll be falafel? I think he's going to be eating street food. There's only one cast I didn't like for the movie, which is Helena Bottom Carter, who I just find super insufferable. But oh, I think other, she's a fine actor. Other than that, like I, I, li- I liked all the other casting. Uh, Mindy, K- Mindy Kaling, Anne Hathaway, who I loved in the recent Colossal. Uh, so I'm I'm super into it. I'm, I'm out on Mindy Kaling. I don't understand the appeal. <laughs> I think she'll be awesome. What She'll... She'll be the. She'll probably be like the tech person, you know. She'll be like the the camera guy. You if know? this is the first four seasons of The Office, then I totally understand it. Anything after that, I'm <laughs> lost. I don't know. I, I'm fine with the uh, bottom Carter. I think that she's solid. She just got overused for a little while there, and so it felt like she was in everything that required anyone to be a slightly well, off-kilter woman. And she exactly. And she's she always also, playing the same character. Well, she's married to Tim Burton, you so can't she must do much be in about all his that movies. When your husband makes you the same character every movie, that's true. Um, yeah. So anyway, oceans, <laughs> oceans movies, highly recommended all of them. I think even the underrated oceans 12 and the, uh, and the properly rated oceans 13, 
uh, pretty great. Uh, love Brad Pitt in these movies. Super funny. Uh, George Clooney, also great. So what's your favorite scene in, let's just go with Eleven. What's your favorite scene in Ocean's Eleven? Well, okay, I think that the, the actual, like, put together heist scene is so great. That's well done. Because it's, it, it follows all the classic, like, heist scene things where they build up the heist, they don't show you everything, then you get the reveal, you know, of how they did everything. Yeah. And the reveal is yeah. fantastic. It's done right. So, like, I really like that. Um, the music in this movie, just in general, is really good. And I think, like, the always picked really awesome uh, music. And my favorite, like, one of my favorite scenes, just from, like, a film nerd standpoint, is the scene where, um, uh, where the scene where Eddie, uh, sorry, Elliot Gould's character, Ruben, is going over the top uh, three closest to successful <laughs> casino robberies in yes. history. And he, like, goes through and he says, like, number three, bronze medal, you know, and he talks about this guy. And each one of those scenes has different music that, like, just meshes with the scene perfectly. And, I'm, and, and the I'm, costumes and everything. And it's all licensed it's music, so too. It's so good. It's yeah. all licensed music, too, so it's, like, expensive. You know, so they, they like, really put effort into the They're true stories, too. Yeah, they are really. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that's even better. It's funny. He's like, he tasted fresh air before. <laughs> then, yes. he br- then he breathed out of a ventilator <laughs> for the next yes. six months. Like it's just everything about that scene. I think is just really, really great. Um, Eric, what's yours? Honestly, I've just been thinking about this <laughs> since you brought the movie up. Bernie Mac getting the vans <laughs> when he shakes his hand. He's talking <laughs> about the lotion. You know. Oh, how, how do you? Uh, how do you? Uh, how do you do it? You have a very soft hand. See, I, I've been told to wear gloves at night to keep the lotion, but I find that it kind of messes up my foreplay. Wait, like, I, said, I think he said like messed up my, my personal life. My personal life, you, you like, know what I mean. Like, really yeah. And I think, too, that's funny at the scene is he's talking about how, like, I mix aloe vera with a scentless lotion, and even that didn't work. Yeah, and then he, then he keeps, like, he won't let the guy's hand go. You know, if I could maybe get it for, I don't know, Five, six thousand. <laughs> no, no, the best thing like, he, he squeezes the guy head and the guy goes, I could even go down to, to seventeen, sixteen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he says Thank 16. you very much. You, you do that for me. All right, Kevin, how about you? Okay. So as you guys know, I'm a sucker for an ensemble cast <laughs> and I love clip scenes. So Nate just took one of the ones I really like, which is the clips of the, uh, attempted, uh, burgles of casinos. The end piece, which is a set of clips that shows the sequence of what happened. Yeah, the reveal is a really great, well-put-together scene. But I've always been so partial to when they get the band back together in anything. And so as they're assembling the crew, each of those little videos is so good as they pick yeah. up Matt Damon's character with the uh, with the double pickpocket as they go and get... Uh, Bernie Mac's character. The we talked about the scene with the brothers, but my favorite is Basher. Yeah, where, yeah. where they like they like uh, he pretends to be FBI agent, like saves him from the robbery. They intercept him in the middle of being arrested for a botched robbery, and he spends the whole time complaining about the other guys. And it's Don- just it's it's such a good good moment. Don Cheadle's accent in this movie truly horrific. Yes, it's so good. <laughs> it's so it's bad. so bad. It's, it's so, so good. bad that it turns the but corner. It, but it works. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, he's like he, the funny thing is Don Cheadle has said in the past. He's like I tried really hard, and I just like I trust, my agent said it was good. <laughs> it's like so funny. But uh, yeah, Basher's introduction scene as the the single piece to pull out of all of the introductory scenes. This movie has great banter, which is another thing I like about this movie. Uh yeah. when uh when uh the amazing Yen is gonna do the uh, backflip <laughs> from the middle of the vault to the edge of the vault and the guy goes, Ten bucks says he shorts it and everyone goes, Twenty like yes. in unison and then he <laughs> makes it and everyone's just like, Oh dang. Or like when um he go when Linus gets into the elevator and he looks up and the uh, Danny's in the top of the elevator and he's like, and they're bantering back about how he's like, you know what? You didn't trust me. You, just, <laughs> you didn't think I was going to sit this one out. Did you like that? That banter is really great too. Uh, uh, how about every single scene with Elliot Gold? Yeah. Yeah. Just you remember just, why you love Elliot so Gold. much banter in Elliot, the movie. Both Ruben and Saul, the, the two old elder statesmen <laughs> of the crew are both so great. Uh, the whole Lyman Zerga. And he's, <laughs> yes. he's, he's like, how safe is for grandma's jewels? And- <laughs> <laughs> That's a the Carl Reiner. He's he only, he's almost playing two characters in the movie, and he's shown his acting range. It's wonderful. Yes, and it's- I mean Carl Reiner has been around forever. Uh, I'm trying to think of like what people know known for. He directed The Jerk. I think is probably like his uh his like biggest. Hit. I mean he was on you know a bunch of old TV shows. He was in It's a Mad 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 World. Like he's 
He's been in a ton of stuff. He's one of those people you just you recognize when you see him. Yeah. So and you I, just know. All right. Well, that's my uh, that's my movie for this week. Great hope movie. You, pick. Hope you guys like it. Uh, if you watch it and you want to talk about it, send us a message. Uh, for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronnebeck, um I'm Nathan Santo, and we'll see you next week. Go hot. <laughs>